<laughs> Bags and boards, bitch. Welcome to the bonus episode of Comical Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Corbett, and with me is... Miguel Garza. No horse steps. <laughs> I just thought some horse steps. No. <laughs> bonus. Man. We already did one episode today with our guest, Steve Orlando. We talked about his book, Undertow, and I'm a little under the weather. My voice is fading, so uh, I don't know how good this is actually going to be, but we're going to try to touch on the topics we had planned for the second episode. Means he'll actually be quiet, and I'll get to talk for a change. Maybe. Uh. <laughs> I get censored all the time. I want to try not to let that happen too much. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing we want to talk about, since we didn't get to it in the last episode, is our top two books of the week. And we didn't get to our books because? We didn't get to our books because bad weather delayed the truck, and our shop did not get them available for us until about 4 p.m. That was horrible. Which is really, really bad. They should not be that late. I mean, if they don't go on the shelves until <clears throat> noon or 1, it's an inconvenience, but it's it's okay. Like, 4 p.m. is pretty ridiculous. That's the end of the day. Yeah, has it ever dawned on you how one shop, like, way off of 1960 gets theirs, and then the shop, like, on the other end of town, or, excuse me, Houston or Texas and Clear Lake gets theirs, and then the one in the middle gets theirs last? I mean, I know that it's because of the location of the distribution center, and it's not really fair of us to get mad at the shop because of how the distribution happens, but it's still bullshit. Like, it just sucks. It makes me want to find a different shop to go to because of how frequently this happens. It's like the fifth time in the last few months that this has happened. Truck breaking down, weather, 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 weather. Yeah, it's really frustrating. Well, you said top two books. Okay, after finally reading everything and being so late, everything's kind of like garbled. So help me out here a little bit. Okay. <laughs> uh, actually, my number two book is a book that uh, got relaunched or reissued again, came back out. Number one, Moon Knight. It was my number two book of the week. And like I told you earlier, when I first started reading, I was like, I don't know much about this guy, but I like the book. It's kind of a badass. I've been a fan of Moon Knight for a really long time. This current run of Moon Knight is being written by Warren Ellis and drawn by Declan Shelby. I'm a big fan of Declan's artwork. He did a bunch of stuff on Deadpool earlier this year, and in 2013, I mean. And he was a perfect choice for Moon Knight. He's been getting everybody on the internet really hyped up leading up to this. And of course, Warren Ellis is a fantastic writer. I agree. I thought Moon, I thought Moon Knight was fantastic. I really like walking around in a white suit. Yeah, I really awesome. like how confident the new the new take on him is, and you know, of course, what a badass he is. But he's always been a badass. And my number one book, waiting for the drum roll. Oh, there's no drums. Magneto. You know, I'm a fan of Magneto. You know this. I like him because he's a badass. And in this book, man, he was just like, oh, taking no prisoners, just kicking ass, ripping people's crap out of their heads. I mean, come on. It was like, yes, finally. First of all, there was a lot of good books. And I just, and I have a different book for Book of the Week, but we'll talk about your top two first. But just the Magneto book, I felt really good about it. I'm happy to see him back to how he is. And so, yeah, I agree. The Magneto book was, was really well done. Uh, that one's being written by Colin Bunn, who is a great writer. Uh, he has a lot of books that come out and almost everything of his I read, I enjoy. So I agree with you. I thought Magneto was really well done. It was nice to see him in full control of his powers again and see him, you know, kicking ass, taking names. Uh, as for me, my number two book was Magneto. Because um, he's really scary, right? When when he's mad and he's confident and he knows who he is and he has an agenda, you do not want to be on the opposite side of Magneto. I mean, he will fuck up your world. He's an Omega-level mutant. There's not a lot of people in the world that can touch him. There's a little surprise twist at the end of the book, mm-hmm. but he handled it magnificently. The the people he killed throughout the book, and he's killing people. Like, no, no apologies killing people. It was great. That one scene, they yeah. show how he killed that one guy. Like, yes! <laughs> I liked it a lot. So that was my number two. My number one was Night of the Living Deadpool 4. There's a lot of really good books, like Miguel said, but I'm a huge Deadpool fan, and every once in a while a Deadpool story comes out that's full of references to things that have happened before and little inside jokes that only a real Deadpool fan would get. And this is one of those kind of books. Colin Bunn wrote that book as well. He, he star writer of the week. Took my two, two, two top slots. <laughs> Night of Living Deadpool was overall slightly weaker miniseries than Deadpool Kills Marvel Universe or Deadpool Kill Illustrated or even Deadpool Kills Deadpool. But the first issue and the last issue had a lot more humor injected into it and it was really well written. And this one in particular was especially funny to me. 
Yeah, I liked all the head jokes and all the stuff, and that was, you know, based on what happened in the beginning, last book and the beginning of this one. It was fine. I just would have liked the ending to be a little bit different. That probably would have, if the ending would have been different, it probably would have been one well, or two. The reason that he wrote the ending the way he did is so that he can use that and make another miniseries. Because he's, he's written all of the Deadpool four-issue miniseries that have happened since Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. And they've all been great. So I mean, he's just leaving an opening for him to continue this story in another big arc. I guess because I thought the first story in this one at the beginning was so good that I was expecting some big wow, you know. And it was okay, but it just wasn't wow enough for me, you know. But it's okay. I mean, I mean, I'll wait for the next miniseries and I'll gladly buy it. <laughs> right. There, there's a whole world full of zombies and Deadpool's the only hero left. How can you end it? I mean, he's not going to find a way to kill all the zombies. He's not smart enough to create a cure. You know, he's not going to turn into one of them even if they eat him. So, I mean, really, how can you end it? Basically, the only way you can is the way that it did end. Spoiler alert. So, I, I was satisfied with the ending. And I, I'm glad that there's open ending there so that he can continue and write another miniseries. Continue where this one left off. That's fine. Like I said, I'll definitely pick up the next miniseries. Me too. Anything Colin Bunn writes, I pretty much pick up. <laughs> um, as far as pick of the week, what was your pick of the week? Clone. Clone, okay. I don't know what else to say about this. I, I'm speechless. The direction they go with the book, you don't, you know, you're like, what else could happen? Military people show up, go all crazy, bullets flying everywhere, clones everywhere, you know, going to an island. Because if you've read the previous book, you know. Sex and violence, that's yes. what you like. <laughs> exactly. Well, who doesn't? <laughs> and we discussed this before, not together. <laughs> well, sometimes together. Or our friend Kyle Simon said no. Not that he likes to keep his sex and violence separate. Yeah. But yeah, it was really good and I really enjoyed it. And that's why I was picking the week. Yours? Um, I went with a smaller book by Boom Studios called uh, Evil Empire. It's by uh, Max Bemis, written by Max Bemis, and drawn by Ransom Getty. It's an interesting story about how docile society is becoming and how you know we're being manipulated by this evil empire that we have no way to fight against and how it's possible to, to stand up and, and start a rebellion. I don't think the story's really gotten very far yet because it's just the first issue, but there's a lot of groundwork laid for a really interesting tale, so uh, I enjoyed it a lot. It's a good book. I'd recommend picking it up, especially since it's only on the first issue. It was a good book. Like I said, I don't mind where it was going. It just wasn't enough to break my top three. But it was a good book. There wasn't really nothing bad this week again. No, it was a good week. There was lots of good books. Um, you know, We can only pick two as our favorites and then one to recommend that might be a little off the beaten path, which is why I chose this one. I just got done reading 19 books after doing the other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> My throat's killing me, but uh, I wanted to do this extra bonus for you guys, just to show you guys a little bit of uh, our dedication, appreciation, oh. you know, for for listening and for contributing online. Uh, we asked everybody to pitch in for the Q and A, which we're gonna do a little bit later. We got some funny questions, so uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> hopefully everybody enjoys that. I hope they <clears> like <throat> my answers. I'm sure they will. Horse steps. <laughs> Don't have to justify my love. <laughs> All right, so the next thing we wanted to talk a little bit about was comic book shows on television. As, As you know, know, we watch a lot of TV. Yeah, we're, we're huge TV fans. We talked about that before. I wonder if that has any uh, reason to the shape that we hold. Oh, you mean there were fat couch <laughs> potatoes? <laughs> I'm sure that has something to do with it. What do you call them, fat? What is this fat you speak of? Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. No jokes? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I like to consider myself in shape. You're not fat, you're big boned. <laughs> exactly. I'm fluffy. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, that, that is the right word for, for Mexicans who are fat. <laughs> Very nice, potato. <laughs> hey, I'll take it. I'm white. <laughs> With brown skin. See? You want to be brown. Anyways. <laughs> so as you know, there's a lot of uh, comic book television shows now. There's Arrow. There's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Marvel has a plan to do five uh, miniseries based on their properties. Uh, there's a Flash series coming out, which looks pretty awesome. Uh, there's Gotham coming out. We've been following Arrow since the very beginning. When that show came out, we had never really been exposed to Green Arrow as a character except in the Justice League, where he's always kind of looked upon as the red-headed stepchild. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> so we wanted to give the show a shot and uh, find out a little bit more about the character. Season one was, like, amazing, wasn't it? And I have to say, I absolutely love it. Uh, Stephen Amell is a fantastic actor. Uh, Manu Bennett as Deathstroke is just as good as I've ever seen him in any other role. Uh, he was great as Crixus and Spartacus and, and a few other places I've seen him. But the writing is, is phenomenal. I mean, it's not 100% true to the comics. It changed a lot of stuff, apparently, based on the research that I've done. But it's very well written. All the actors are stellar. And I'm really excited for the future of that show. 
Yeah, when we talked about it, remember how we felt each episode just seemed to get better and better and better. And then here lately, this next season, this season's currently going on right now, so it's just awesome. In anticipation for the episode that just happened today that we didn't get a chance to see. And we saw the promo earlier. I, I mean, this show is awesome. I mean, and it's on the CW. That's the crazy part. It's not even on a good network. <laughs> it's on the, the CW. Come on, man. That's, that, that Come on. Ne- that network doesn't make good shows. Come on. Name one good show aside Supernatural. from Supernatural. That's not a good show. That's a great show. <laughs> Guarantee you'll get a lot of hate mail for your dogging of Supernatural tomorrow. <laughs> to be fair, it's just okay. I, I've watched it. <laughs> I've watched random episodes. It's okay. Maybe if maybe if I'd watch it from the beginning, I'd love it like you do. But you know, it's on the CW, so I'm really not that excited about it. Maybe I watch a lot. Of, I watch a lot of TV, and the the chaff gets cut. That's just how it goes. Smallville. I mean, it's not on anymore. But Smallville was good while it was on, but it wasn't a big enough show that it made me watch that channel very much. Was well, this still talking about Arrow? The guy that plays Flash on there, is he going to be the Flash on the Flash? Yes. Oh, okay. They released an image of him in his costume, or at least the the cowl of his costume, mm-hmm. uh, earlier this week, and I have to say it looks great. It's kind of inspired by the Captain America look, like the same sort of latex material with the uh, little wings. Right. Kind of similar to the Captain America, but of course in Flash's colors, red and yellow. And they're lightning bolts. And lightning bolts, yeah. Uh, but they haven't shown the full costume, just the, the neck up kind of area. But I think it looks pretty good. And uh, the guy they picked for The Flash, he was in a couple of episodes in Arrow. Uh, I was really excited to see him. I thought he was a good choice for the role. I think he has a couple more episodes in Arrow here. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of crossover stuff. And I, I heard today that on Gotham, they've managed to cast uh, Selena Kyle and Commissioner Gordon. So I guess really all that's left is the main Batman character. But it's not Batman, though. It's going to be Bruce Wayne. Like, that's the thing. They young have, Bruce Wayne, right? Well, originally that's what it was going to be, but now I think they've moved it to... Kind of like a whole small book. Kind, thing, kind of the same thing it. like Arrow, where they're telling the origin story alongside the current event kind of story. Okay, okay. I mean, that that story structure has worked really well for them in Arrow, mm-hmm. and I don't see why they would change that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. Because, you know, Smallville, and I bring it up again, they went back all the way when he was a kid and going through high school and all that stuff. I don't know how that would work out for the Batman thing, but yeah, I kind of like what you're telling me now. It sounds a hell of a lot better. Yeah, so I'm excited to see that, of, oh, course. Yeah. of um, course. But that's just, just the DC side of it. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has gotten oh. a lot of flack. A lot of people are disappointed at the lack of superheroes, at the lack of Marvel characters they know and love. But I don't really see the the need for that. I mean, it's a story about the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doing the stuff that S.H.I.E.L.D. would typically do. And all everything they've done has been interesting and has been tied in the Marvel Universe. It's just been moving at its own pace and developing the characters. And it's another show I find with you that I enjoy, really do enjoy. It's great. It, it hasn't been 100% true to the comics, but nothing ever is. And it's getting as it's getting further and further along, we're starting to see more and more pieces of the Marvel Universe show up into the show. Last night's episode, that teaser at the end, uh, Lorelai, which is the Enchantress's sister, that's pretty awesome. And then, of course, you know Sif is going to be in the next episode. So we're Totally st- stoked on that. It's not only tying into the Marvel Universe is tying into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So the characters that are playing Marvel characters in the big screen are also coming onto the little screen, which I think is really cool. Yeah, because Samuel Jackson was on there as Nick Fury. Kobe Smothers was on there. So, yeah. I think it's I think it's a really different strategy than what DC is trying to do, but I think it's just as viable. I'm really interested to see where DC goes as far as the Justice League that they've been <laughs> alluding to and, and planning on for years and years. It doesn't seem like they keep on getting pushed back all the time. It does. It does. And the Superman-Batman movie may end up just being Superman versus Batman. It may end up being a Justice League movie. Nobody really knows yet. But the only thing I know for sure is that Stephen Amell is a fantastic Green Arrow, and I hope that they don't recast that role anytime soon. I hope that if they do have a movie and it calls for Green Arrow, they cast him in that role. Because i got to say, I, I, like that guy's just great. Yeah, he's a good actor. He's a funny really guy, good. too. Yeah, he's he's great. Yeah, he's he's very personable. Him. He's very personable. You should follow him on Facebook. And, you know, he interacts with his fans a lot. He answers questions. He does uh, videos for his fans where he talks about things on set. Just an all-around great guy. Yeah, he's the one that put that teaser out there for the episode tonight. Yep. So, if you haven't checked any of these shows out, you know, I, I would definitely recommend doing that. Uh, Flash is going to be on TV pretty soon. Gotham's a little bit further away, I think. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. airs every Tuesday, and Arrow airs every Wednesday, at least until the end of the season. Two really good shows, with possibly the other two being really good as well. 
pretty stoked and excited about that. Can't wait to see. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the Marvel miniseries once we have more information about those, but we haven't really heard anything about them yet. So, so what's next? What are you want to talk about next? Let's talk about the collector. Oh wait a minute, collecting. <laughs> I know how you are when it comes to your sleeves and backs. I know how Bags you are. Bags and boards, motherfucker. <laughs> I know how you are when you come to get your poor little comics with their little crimps. Or you put it in there and the bag is too big. And Co- collecting is important. There are all different kinds of collectors. People collect their books and don't really give a shit about them. And they just put them in a box somewhere. And they end up in a garage sale ten years later and maybe somebody finds a good deal. Mm-hmm. And then there's people that bag and board all their books in the correctly sized product and then store them away in no sunlight, no moisture rooms where they'll stay perfectly safe. Uh, air-conditioned storage unit? <laughs> That's better than a hot garage. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. That one episode where we watched on TV, the smokers. <laughs> there's very, there's varying degrees of collecting, but uh, you know, one thing that I do, uh, I feel like is very important, is to to take care of your books. I mean, you're spending a lot of money building your collection. You want to make sure that you're going to protect your books. So I always buy. Right now, since I'm buying current size books, I buy current size Ultra Pro resealable bags with current size Ultra Pro backs, boards. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. He said it. He said backs. <laughs> God, ruining my vernacular. I win this one. So, but that, you know, there's individuals like yourself who prefer the bigger bag. You know? Well, uh, the Silver Age bag. The reason this was brought on is because I'm part of a Facebook group that talks about comic book collecting. And a girl uh, who had recently gotten into collecting and was buying large lots of books thought it was a good idea to buy current size boards and Silver Age size bags because she figured. If Silver Age size bags weren't available, she could always downsize to current size bags, and she still have the correct size boards to use. Like it would work either way. Problem with that is that if you have more than a couple books in there, they're going to press press against each other, and you're going to get spine roll like you wouldn't believe. Your books are all going to get damaged because the boards are not going to stay centered on the comics. Which she said she started to notice after you told her that. Yeah, I mentioned that to her, and after an hour or so, she responded and said, "Oh my God, you were right." And then she went and got the appropriate size bags and fixed it. <laughs> but it's just something to consider. I mean, uh, we've been collecting for a long time. I have a huge collection. Miguel has a little bit smaller collection. But, uh, you know, I collect anything and everything Deadpool. All appearances, all covers, all variant covers, all you know, main title books. And, you know, I keep all that stuff organized and categorized in a Excel spreadsheet so it's easy to find. Uh, there's all kinds of utilities you can use, comic book collector, comic book DB, and those some of those are pay-for services that you can use to keep track of your collection as it, as it grows. Uh, you can also just make your own Excel spreadsheet, which I did. It's a lot easier, I think. <laughs> Definitely a lot cheaper. So with your sleeves, do you prefer resealable ones or do you like using the tape? And if you do use the tape, what type of tape are you using? Personally, I prefer the resealable ones. You know, none of those bags last forever. After mm-hmm. after five or six years of being stored away, the bags are going to get all soft and, and flimsy and going to need to be replaced anyways. We're still talking about sleeves, right? <laughs> so we're talking about the bags. Uh, the boards will yellow if they're not stored in a correct temperature, correct moisture level place. But even if that happens, even if the bags wither, even if the, the boards yellow, uh, I think it's, it's still important to protect your books by putting them in there because it keeps them from getting bent, you know, and if you're not looking at them every day, even if they're like shitty books, at least then they're really easy to pull out and ship or to give away or whatever because they're still protected and easily sealed. So it's important to protect your books, especially if they're going to be high value in the future and you're looking to sell them and you don't want to sell a book that's like a low grade. You want to be able to get the most if you do it that way. Oh, of course. If you purchase it. If you're going to sell your books, you definitely want to keep your books in as pristine condition as you can because condition matters when you're selling comics. It's yes. just a fact of the matter. Even if you're not planning on selling your books and you're keeping them for yourself, you still want to take good care of them because you're going to want to reread them for years to come and maybe pass them on to your kids or, or whatever. You know, There's really no reason not to take care of your books, especially when the, the little amount of effort it takes is very inexpensive and not very time-consuming. Well, I want to thank you for your insight on sleeves and backs. Uh. <laughs> Bags and boards, bitch. <laughs> Trust me, I'm protecting my books. I know you are. <laughs> Talking to the people out there that don't know. Well, they'll know. They'll learn. I'm sure most of them already know, but whatever. So I read something uh, interesting on the internet today that uh, DC is giving away Justice League comics as toys 
as a substitute for toys and General Mills cereals. So it's not inside the bag of cereal. It's probably be inside the box next to the cereal, right? It's probably taped on on the inside of the box. Inside plastic. Yeah. As you know how things are rare sometimes. First of all, that's kind of crazy, but it's kind of cool. Uh, kind of cool. I think that's amazing. If I was a kid and I was getting some, some Golden Grams or whatever fucking General Mills cereal my mom was buying, and I opened it up and there was a comic book inside, that's so much better than whatever shitty little plastic toy they used to give. Oh, yeah. I mean, now you get Yoda pins in there from, you know, Star Wars sometimes. Well, sure, if you buy specific cereals, but, like, I loved comic books as a kid, and I think this is a great way, this is a great promotional idea to get more kids interested in comic books. Do you think any of these uh, comic books would be worth anything? You know, because sometimes things like this get rare, or some people really want it. It's really uncommon for giveaway comics nowadays to, to go up in value. It's not impossible. I mean, they have to be low print run, or some kind of error, or something like that. But it's, it's unlikely that these will actually be worth anything. They're still probably cool to collect because, I mean, you know, it's Justice League. Justice League is usually pretty good. And, I mean, it's great for kids. But, you know, you'll have someone out there. You know. Yeah. And if you, if you want to go eat some Cinnamon Toast Crunch and get a comic, that's... Hey, hey. Can't complain about that. <laughs> don't, don't, don't crack on the CT Crunch. I mean, I love Cinnamon Toast Crunch. What's, what's not to like? That's going to be awesome. Seven boxes of CT Crunch. <laughs> With the same comic damn comic book. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what made them think to do that. That's kind of, that's I don't know, but it's, it seems like a stroke of marketing genius to me. Is the industry suffering that bad? I mean, I think between you and me, we're, we're helping support the industry. I'm just well, I definitely feel like I'm supporting the industry, but I don't think the industry is suffering. I just think that they're doing everything they can to promote their particular brand and try to grow. I mean, the average comic reader nowadays is more like us. I mean, they're they're not kids anymore. Kids Kids aren't all that interested in comics because they have video games and they have you know, trading card games and they have so many other things to occupy their time. So when I throw in a box of cereal. Uh-huh. Instead of comic books. But I mean, if it's there and they start to read it, they might remember they have that passion or they, they might discover they have that passion and then pursue that instead of you know whatever other hobby they're doing. I think that's fantastic. I think that's great. Reading good. <laughs> because the only way that the market, the only way that uh, comics are going to survive in the, in the future is if kids maintain their interest as they grow older they keep you know keep reading and keep putting money into the industry yeah because i know you and me we ain't gonna be around forever no not forever but i mean we'll support it as long as we can mm-hmm. you know and eventually the younger generation is gonna have to step up and do the same thing true be kind of cool so justice league i thought it was pretty cool well since we're still talking about dc do you think they'll ever put any of those little fancy ones in there no, I mean, I think that they're just putting in standard Justice League comics or else small Justice League comics that are written you know, specifically for the kids. I'm sure there's no, like, hanky-panky between Superman and Wonder Woman going on <laughs> in, in the Golden Crisp box. <laughs> Gig'em smacks. <laughs> Superman, smack it Wonder Woman around. <laughs> you know, that, that kind of stuff you have to pay for as an adult. <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> and we know you pay for it. I pay for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't think of anything as you said that. This is horrible. Now, DC went here recently, not in regards to comic books, but in, I mean, excuse me, not in regards to cereal, but their comics. They had these holographic things that you purchased every freaking one of them. Oh, yeah, the uh, 3D holographic villain month co- Villains Month covers. I thought you were off your rocker. I mean, I bought only the ones I wanted, but you're like, you got to buy all these. I'm like, no, I don't want some random... Well, I to be fair, I bought them all to turn them over for a profit because there was you big money to, to mention me. that to me. Well, there was big money to be made selling those on eBay at the time. The entire set, which you could purchase for about $260, was going for an easy 400 What's your pocket? I got screwed because I planned poorly and I... Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring up a sore subject. I listed mine <laughs> at an at a unfortunate ending time, so my auctions only got up to exactly what I paid for my book, so I basically broke even. It's too bad, but, you know, whatever. It's not a huge loss. Lesson learned? No, I mean, I'll still try to play the market every once in a while. It's just how I am, but that's something that comes from experience and comes from running an eBay store. Are they doing any more? Uh, I actually had heard a rumor that they were going to be doing another 3D comic push... Uh, at the same time this year, which I'm not sure I like. It, it seems like both companies have been doing a lot more gimmick comic covers than I can remember in the past few years. It feels like they're trying to get back to the 90s where everything was all chromium and oh, yes. with like holographic cards stapled to the front. And you know, hopefully we don't get back to that point. But the 3D variant covers were a nice surprise for that month. But I don't think it's something that we need all the time. 
Because then it cheapens it. Like, it definitely you get it, like, once every so often. It definitely cheapens it. It feels like Marvel's been pretty good about it. They haven't done it a whole lot. Image never does it because it's not practical for them to promote those kind of books like that. But DC, it feels like they might be uh, making a big push pretty soon to have a bunch of gimmick covers come out. And I'm really hoping that they don't. People like you may pay four bucks or five bucks a pop on these things. Yeah, or more, depending. It's just not worth it. No. There was only a few that I liked this past time. You know, the Joker's Daughter, Harley, and a few of the other Batman ones, the Quarter Owls and stuff like that. Actually, I think you took that one off me because you wanted it for your own set. Oh, it's just one of the ones I missed that yeah. I needed to finish. But yeah, I mean, that's it's a possibility in the future. So let's talk about our Q&A. There's, oh, Lord. There's the bulk of the episode. Uh. We, uh, we, we took to Twitter and Facebook today and asked our fans if they wanted us to answer any questions. And we got a few responses. Some of them related to comics and some of them not. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, we're going to try to answer these the best that we can in the order that we received them. Question number one. Question number one comes from Ginny Podcaster on Twitter. Don't know her. <laughs> She's just one of the many podcasters that I follow on Twitter. I'm trying to befriend as many as I can so that we can all help to try to promote each other. Well, clearly she follows us. Yeah. Okay. She does. Which is good. All right. Her question is, why are manhole covers round? And when can we start calling them woman holes? <laughs> Hashtag feminism. Love, comma, Ginny. Hmm. <laughs> a square manhole? Well, I a actually... A rectangular manhole? I actually looked it up. Okay. There's a reason that manholes are round. Why? Because if you make a square-shaped manhole... Okay. It is possible for the manhole to fall through. But no matter which way you do it, it is impossible to drop a round manhole cover in a slightly smaller round manhole. It's impossible. Wow. Look at you, Mr. Internet. Go on with your bad self. So, there's the answer to that question. And if you call them woman holes, it just seems awfully dirty. And as far as calling them woman holes... I got my hole up in your hand up in your woman hole. That just doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> if you see a man crawl down into one, then I think it's okay to call it a woman hole. <laughs> <laughs> so, what does it say about all the electricians that are in the manholes? <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, look at that, kids. You learned something. I know. Let's go to question number two. Question two. Baron Chris Ryder asks... Hey, I know that guy. That is the guy who won our Mercenary Sea giveaway. Yeah. He's also mentioned a few other things to us. Oh, he's, he's a big fan of ours. I yeah. think he really likes the show. He's a pretty smart guy. I like some of the questions he's thrown at us. It's forced me to think. My head hurts. He asked us, uh, what is your least favorite popular character and why? Shazam. That's a good one. Just don't like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's your reason? You just don't like him? Ah. <sighs> He put me on blast. <laughs> he gets too much run, man. He's a punk kid. Basically, he's a punk kid just stealing, doing whatever he wants to. He's got a bad attitude. And all of a sudden, guy shows up. He becomes Shazam. You know, what does he say about the wisdom of Solomon? Really? Solomon, you picked this kid? When he first starts off, you see how he is? He's like, ooh, I can use my powers for self-gain. We'll take money. We'll do this. We can run these kind of cons. I help people. No. I'm sorry. And they just give this guy too much credit. I mean, fighting with Superman, some guy named Black Adam can kick your ass. I mean, I just, I have problems with it. You know, it was like, uh, what was it? The one DC comic, excuse me, the one DC movie we watched uh, where Batman hit him with a missile and he got knocked out the sky, fell down, and he became Billy Bastion again or whatever his name is. It's like, that quick, Batman took him out. But, oh, he can kick Superman's ass. But Batman, well, we know Batman's Batman. The only reason he can kick Superman's ass is he's magic. Yeah, but yeah, he gets too much credit, I think. I just not. I just don't like Shazam. Just kind of my least favorite character. That's fair. I'm not sure he counts as a popular character. Oh. But, <laughs> you know, whatever. As far as me, it's kind of a harder question to like to answer because I pretty much like everybody. The only one that I can really say that I have any kind of dislike for is Superman. And the reason for that... All-American guy? Is because heroes are defined by their villains. And Superman has one of the worst rogues galleries possible. Aside from Doomsday, he doesn't have anybody that's on a similar power level to him. His best fight was against Batman, who's another hero. And, you know, Lex Luthor, most of the time, at least in the past, his plots were always, like, terrible. It was like, I want to rule the world. I want to, like, have real estate deals. I mean, look at, look at the Superman movies. Oh, man. He's like... I, I want to, like, make money off real estate. I knew you were going You there. better not stop me, Superman. <laughs> General Zod? Okay, I'll give you Zod, actually. Zod's a pretty good, pretty good villain. But you look at Batman, every single one of his villains is interesting in their own way. They're as powerful as him or as smart as him. 
They have some aspect and they can relate to him. Zod is as strong as Superman. Doomsday is maybe a little stronger than Superman. Luthor is mildly smarter, maybe. Brainiac is just a random alien guy. Metallo just has kryptonite. I mean, Superman has a really crappy weakness. He has really boring villains. You know, he's not particularly well written a lot of the time. And he's just a boy scout. He's always goody two-shoes. And I like my characters have a little more edge. Okay. It's just personal preference. I don't hate Superman or anything. Like, I love the Man of Steel movie. I thought that was great. There's a lot of Justice League stuff I've read that I've enjoyed. Well, since you threw my Shazam and said he's not super popular, I got one for you. Who's that? I'm going to shock your world. You ready for this? Sure. Spider-Man. Freaking Peter Parker Spider-Man. You want to talk about goody two-shoes? You want to talk about wimpy? Talk about never going to get it done? Otto is a better Spider-Man. Sure, Otto is a better Spider-Man, but I don't think you can really hate Peter Parker because there's been so many great Spider-Man stories. And Spider-Man has an amazing rogues gallery. Whatever it is, Otto has just trumped it. Sure. superior Spider-Man. I'm not disagreeing with you that Spider-Man's... that superior Spider-Man's not better than regular Spider-Man. You know what I like, Peter Parker? When he tried to save Gwen Stacy and she died. And he got all pissed. And he's ready to take out the goblin. Then he, like, stops. I'm like, come on. Your woman just, well, you killed your woman, first of all. <laughs> yeah, but that was 50 years ago, and they've written a lot of stories since then. <laughs> That's just the one that pops in my mind, man. I think... Okay, it, fine. The Battle with Carnage. I'm gone. still a couple years back. <laughs> yeah, but that was that was interesting. He fought Carnage as hard as he could, and he barely won. No, he didn't. He could have fought a lot harder. We now know where his power's really at, based <laughs> on what Otto did in his first couple of books. He might have been... Had he been willing to cross that line, he might have been able to take Carnage down... Permanently back Dude, in That's the day. what makes him a hero. It's the same thing as Batman. Batman could just fly around with guns and kill everybody. And, like, he could clean up Gotham in, in a year. <laughs> <laughs> Batman don't use guns. Spider-Man doesn't kill. Mm, I see. That's why he doesn't use his full strength. Just You can't hate on Peter Parker too much. I agree. I, I've really enjoyed Superior. I really like asshole Peter Parker, Otto having the edge. But I, I don't think that you can take away what Amazing Spider-Man has because yes in the last couple of years it's been really boring I mean it's been a lot of re- relationship drama and a lot of like mundane how do I get to college and manage that and my job and manage that and oh my god the lizard robbed a bank like it's <laughs> it's not there, there are definitely times when Peter Parker sucks when Amazing Spider-Man is just not that interesting but there are also times where it's really high emotional and really badass fight scenes and really cool he has a great gallery of villains. Oh, yes. And, I, and that, like I said, that's what makes a hero. So, at least in my book, that's what makes a hero. I don't think you can put Peter Parker on that list. Defending Spider-Man. Look at you. You just don't like anything I throw out. Fine. I hate freaking Deadpool. How do you like that? That's fine. A lot of people do. I, how do you hate that guy? I love that guy. I love Deadpool, too. <laughs> but a lot of people don't. A lot of people think he's overused and he's force-fed down their throats and... They don't, they don't understand. They've never read enough of it to actually appreciate the character. They've only seen him in bit pieces here and there. And they're like, oh my god, why is Deadpool ruining this book? Some of the best bits, I think, with Peter Parker, and I'll give you a little props on this, was when he's with Deadpool. Oh, the, the Spider-Man and Deadpool stuff is hilarious. Always. 100% of the time is funny. I just want to see... I'm interested to see when Peter comes back... Oh, and Pace, y'all didn't know. <laughs> he is coming back. Everybody knows. I'm... Obviously, his reputation, everything about him is going to be tarnished. Unless he can somehow make everybody aware that it wasn't him. But, you know, can't really do that. I, I just want to see him be a little tougher. Yeah, I do too. I think that the superior occurrence is going to cause him to reevaluate the way he does things. He's going to learn something from what Ock did with his life while he was away. Well, let's move on to the next one because my voice is going. Question three. Question three comes from Ashley Weirden. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, if your life was a comic, what sort of theme would it have? Sci-fi, fantasy, etc. If my life was a comic, it would probably be a horror book. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute, you say horror? Okay, that's just making sure I got that right. (laughs) It would be a uh, horror comedy, most likely. Whoa. Because bad things happen to me all the time, but my life is also pretty funny because I don't let the horror, the bad stuff get me down. So you're living in the Chew universe? A lot of things happen to Tony Chew, but they're kind of funny. Yeah. Hmm, Okay. What about you? Mine would be... It's definitely not action-adventure. What are you saying? <laughs> Mine would be a zombie universe. Uh, walking Dead type thing. Uh, You're surviving and everybody else is just meandering around around you? That's right. I'm Rick. I got a lot of passion. So I could use it, you know? You're talking to dead people on your phone. <laughs> exactly. One arm. I wonder who you are talking to at work. <laughs> Taking people down. That's right. If not, maybe a 
warlock type thing, a eh? swords and sorcery. Yeah, you know, something like that. You know, kind of like uh, okay, witches and everything. You know, I don't know. Because you have some like brujeria stuff in your past. In yeah, your family's some, past. Yeah, so. some crazy stuff going on. My yeah, I can see that. Past, so. But that's the same kind of thing, like horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think I'd be a comedy. Because you're asking what kind of genre. Hmm. Yeah, horror, straight up. Yeah, I can see that. There'd be no comedy in mine, though. <laughs> It'd be dark. So your character doesn't know my character, then, I guess? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Question four. Question four. Eric Lopez says she, he has two questions. One, how do we feel about manga ranging from artistry to storyline? And two, what are our thoughts on our government trying to build an actual Iron Man suit? Hmm. Well, I don't think Miguel's read a whole lot of manga. Uh, when I was in college, I was a big anime fan. And I read my fair share of manga as well. I know it's pronounced manga, but I'm doing the best I can. <laughs> um, some of it's really good. Some of it's really bad. It's just like comics. I mean, it's just Japanese comics. You read them uh, right to left instead of left to right, which is kind of a big change for people that aren't used to it. Ah, oh, Princess Kane. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Japanese have a different art style than American comic artists. Bigger eyes, bigger boobs, <laughs> less clothing in general. In general, why am I just finding out about this now? Uh, but as far as stories, there's some really good ones. Um, Wait a minute, who gave us this question? This is from Eric Lopez. You sick bastard! <laughs> He's family. I can say that crap. <laughs> but uh, there's, there's definitely some manga that I enjoy. Uh, I haven't read any in a while. I think the last thing I read was uh, probably One Piece. I think I read like pretty deep into One Piece. But I was following the main uh, Shonen Jump stuff, and then a few other smaller books, like Darker Than Black, and, and I've heard Attack on Titan's really good, but I haven't had a chance to read it yet. Wasn't there a co-worker in our office that read a lot of that? Yeah, yeah, we've had a few. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of anime fans and a lot of manga fans out there. Uh, I just don't have the time, and I, I find American comic books to be more entertaining now, at this point in my life, so... I'm more focused on that. Never read a Japanese comic book. There's some good ones. I think there's some that you definitely enjoy. Uh, but you, like I said, you'd have to take some time to get used to reading from right to left. Oh, yeah. What was that second question? Second question was, what are our thoughts on our government trying to build an actual Iron Man suit? That can't be true. Well, I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility. Uh, he says it's called the Talos. I don't think I've ever heard this. Hang on. Let me do a Google search. Tactical Assault Light Operator Suit. Huh, we just watched a short video on Talos, uh, the Iron Man-style suit that the government's designing. It's pretty cool. Um, Which government? Our government. Oh, okay. I think you said that earlier. I mean, it's nowhere near like the actual Iron Man suit. He's not using repulsor blast to fly around or shoot beams out of his chest or anything like that. But you know, it definitely gives him like it's an enhanced exoskeleton with uh, body armor built into it. So clearly not used for peace. Well, it's for peacekeeping. I don't know if it's for... Peacekeeping is another way to say weapon of mass destruction. It's one guy in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe, hey, he did have the... Maybe if it's you and you've eaten some bean burritos or something. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. What did uh, Rhodey have? He had the, the bunker thing. <laughs> the ex-wife, I think. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. I mean, I think we should keep developing new technology, and you know, hopefully someday something like that really could exist, like the... Iron Man suit as we know it from the movies. I'm hoping that never is needed. Give peace a chance. <laughs> what kind of are hippie you? mumbo jumbo are you spouting? Who are you talking to? You know me. Slow shit up. That's what I'm all about. <laughs> that actually would be kind of cool. Would you like to be the test guy? Let's move on to the next question. Come on, man. Answer the question. Would you like to be the test dude? Fat Iron Man? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just got a picture of that. That's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> Look like Tron guy. <laughs> <laughs> so next question. Uh, question five. This one comes from Chelsea Nelson. Oh my goodness. We know her too. She used to work with us. So sorry. She asks, what our favorite comic inspired figure or toy we have at our desks at work? What's your what's your favorite comic related toy that you have at work, Miguel? Got quite a few on my desk. It's your Holly Quinn dildo, isn't it? What? <laughs> what was that? <laughs> what, your Deadpool dildo? What? You got, I got jokes, too. <laughs> Real original. <laughs> Probably your rock on your desk, huh? The one Daryl likes to look at. <laughs> um, you're not, you would think I would say it would be my Harley Quinn action figure. Excuse me, action figure. My pop figure I have on my desk. But uh, actually, it's my dark side van. It's kind of cool. I like to roll around the desk every once in a while. A couple of years ago, Matchbox released the line of cars 
based on uh, superheroes. And one of them was Darkseid. And for some reason, Darkseid's vehicle was a Econo van. <laughs> and it's got his face painted on the side. It says Darkseid in big, huge letters on the side of the van. And I was just like, why would Darkseid need a van? <laughs> like, Yeah, he's an extremely badass guy. No need no van, but it's cool. He's conquering the universe in, in, his, in his minivan. <laughs> One city at a time. <laughs> So I picked that up for Miguel as a gag gift, and he thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I actually took out the package. Might have been a stupid move, but yeah, it's kind of cool. Play with it every once in a while. That's Run cool. into things. <laughs> What's yours? Because you got a bunch of stuff, too. I have a lot of Deadpool stuff everywhere. At work, at home, in my car. Can't get away from it. But at work, probably my favorite thing I have is... I have an open set of the Deadpool versus Taskmaster minis. I can't remember the, the branding for the toy, but I have uh, Deadpool versus Taskmaster. I have those in my little glass case. It's pretty cool. I like those. Dark Side minivan for me, and Deadpool Taskmaster action figures for you. That's right. I love Taskmaster almost as much as I love Deadpool. Uh, Question see. number six. Question six is kind of a strange one. This one comes from Dr. Rock uh, on Twitter. He does cocaine! Not Dr. Rock, so oh, it just says Dr. Bad. Rock. <laughs> yeah, he wants to know if he can really ask us anything. And the question was, who would win in a fight between Ming Chen from Comic Book Men <laughs> and I, I Sell Comics Podcast fame uh, versus the Silk Spectre, the female character from Watchmen? <laughs> His feeling is that Silk Spectre would win because she has heels. Which, you know, for those of you who listen to the Tell Em Steve Dave podcast or anything on Smodcast or you know, Ming... Anything Ming's been on, you know that Ming has a weakness for women in heels. Uh, I've never met Ming or dealt with any of those people, but you know they are part of the reason that I became a podcaster. Uh, I love telling Steve Dave. I do listen to I Sell Comics in addition. And, you know, it's kind of an answer to this question. <laughs> because it's a, it's a guy that I don't know, but I feel like I know, versus a completely fictional character from a small miniseries. Be like the rest of the comic men. You know, Ming, you know... <laughs> <laughs> they rag on him all the time. And, you know... I would say Silk Spectre. If uh, Silk Spectre was a real person and they were having, like, actual fisticuffs, I'm pretty sure Silk Spectre would win. <laughs> Ming's kind of a kind of a gentleman type of guy. I don't think he'd ever raise his hand up against a woman anyway. I don't think so either. Say he'd be. That's why he would lose. Yeah. He might be staring at her boots the entire time. Or heels. Or, or whatever. He really has a bad foot fetish, from what I understand. <laughs> but what she normally wears anyway, he probably would be distracted, period. Well, so. yeah. So Silk Most, Spectre? Most men would. I think that's kind of the point. So, anyways, I guess that's our answer for that. Uh, See, that was easy. It wasn't hard. It's just an unusual question. Yeah. Because we're talking about another podcaster who doesn't know us, who doesn't listen to our show. He's listening now. (laughs) It's possible. (laughs) Question seven. Question seven. This one comes from... Oh, it's Barry and Chris Ryder again. Wow. Man. I guess he submitted another one. Uh, You know, we're going to have to have this guy on for an interview sometime. uh, He says, if you could cast anyone to play a hard R-rated movie version of Deadpool, who would you cast? Outside of Ryan Reynolds, of course, because he still believes that would be a great choice. That's a hard question. James Franco. (laughs) Matthew McConaughey? Come on, man. McConaughey just won an Oscar. That doesn't mean anything. (laughs) I couldn't... If Deadpool starts saying, all right, I don't know what to do. Two detective. Come on. It's it's supposedly a great show. I I haven't watched the whole thing. I got it. I got it. The captain from Black Sails. No, no Flint no. couldn't pull off Deadpool. Oh, that's right. Never mind. I'm, I'm thinking. I forgot. I gotta go with the comedian side. You know, that'd be kind of crazy. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, Ray Parks. Because I mean, Darth Maul. Huh? Darth Maul. Yeah. Has he ever like shown his face anywhere? Well, that's the thing. I mean, Deadpool's gonna wear the mask for the majority of the movie, and when he gets blown off, he's gonna be all hideously scarred underneath there. So. Yeah, he is good with a sword. He could definitely handle all the ass-kicking components very well. I can see Ray Park doing it. Yeah, it's a damn good call. Yeah. That's actually a good choice. As far as, like, acting ability, though, I don't know how good he is at the voiceover, but... Uh, McConaughey can do the voice. We don't have to call Ryan Reynolds in to do the voice. <laughs> Let McConaughey do the voice. <laughs> or uh, right. Nolan North. Actually, that, that should be the plan. We should have uh, Nolan North do the voice and have Ray Parks do the acting. Hmm. I think that would be a, a good combination. That is pretty good. So there's my answer. <laughs> man, that's, you're on the ball tonight. Man, that's pretty good. I'm sick and I'm still making it happen. I know, man. Question eight. 
Question eight. I'm still shocked. We got eight questions. We got nine, actually. Oh, my goodness. After reading Batman Death in the Family and seeing the Joker beat Robin with a crowbar, kind of felt anticlimactic, and then watching the Dark Knight and Heath Ledger Joker do it to Batman, did you appreciate Death in the Family more? Who gave us this question? This came from... Uh, Obviously got a little fetish there. Rick Lopez, I think. Ah, I know that guy, too. <laughs> so, what I say earlier? Everybody needs to get a little beaten with a crowbar every once in a while. <laughs> little ass whooping straighten you out <laughs> show them their place they don't forget that's right take this uh, uh. <laughs> I don't know if that's true but uh, Death in the Family was a pretty good storyline up until the very end I felt like the ending was kind of a cop out I wish they had had more finality I wish Joker had actually done something to one of the people in the Bat family something permanent Oh, instead of the fake stuff with the pulling, like nothing actually happened. I mean, he definitely psychologically tormented Batman and everybody else, but he never actually did anything physical to any of them. There was no lasting ramifications aside from the temporary, uh, we don't want to deal with you, Batman, kind of attitude the whole family took towards him. As far as watching Dark Knight and seeing Heath Ledger beat Christian Bale up, uh, it's kind of hard to relate that to Death in the Family because they were so distant. And because the Dark Knight happened before Death in the Family, mm-hmm. chronologically. I don't know, I, I appreciated Death in the Family. I thought it was good. There were things about it I really liked. I liked the build-up. I just felt like the ending was kind of a letdown. Yeah, I thought Joker was on his game. I thought he was going to do some really wicked, evil crap. And just like you, when it didn't go down to what it down, I was like, oh, come on. You, like, built this up so well. You had it going so well. It was like the Joker was doing his thing. And I'm like, damn, the Joker's just off the chain. He's about to whoop some ass. He's about to really hurt somebody. Kill some more people. Nothing says anything like when he shattered, you know, Barbara Gordon when he shot her. Yeah. So I was expecting something far worse than that. Well, I was just hoping that he had actually disfigured one of the people at the table because he made all of them think they had been disfigured. I thought he was going to do something to Nightwing. I really did. I thought Nightwing was the one he chose to, to really mess up. And I was kind of like, uh... <laughs> it would have been nice, but, you know, it's neither here nor there. Joker hasn't been seen in a while in that New 52 universe, so whenever he rears his head again, hopefully the next story arc continuing will be a lot more impactful. Well, a lot of people have said here, like, the Joker and Batman, you know, there's a lot of love there. You know, Joker really does love Batman, so maybe that's why he doesn't go that far? Well, they've said that a lot in the comics. Like, they don't want to kill each other because they need each other. I mean, Joker has pretty much beat the crap out of Harley because she actually almost beat him one time, and he was not happy with that. Yeah. Joker is so insane, he doesn't feel like he has a reason to exist if Batman's not around. And Batman doesn't really have much of a reason to exist unless the Joker's around. So the two of them are caught in this endless loop where they're feeding off each other. I can see, you know, I can definitely see where that comes into effect. Question nine. And last but last, not least, we have a question from Steve Orlando, who was our guest on the first podcast we recorded tonight. What's up, Steve? <laughs> and we really appreciate him coming on the show and talking about his new book, Undertow. Steve's a funny guy. He's a really funny guy. He loves bad 80s TV shows and 90s TV shows, just like we do. Busting so, my balls like everybody else in this freaking show. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot to talk about. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to the first episode we put out today, or if you thought this was the only episode we put up today, it's not. There's two of them. So go out there and get the other one and listen to both, because they're both pretty funny. Anyhow, Steve's question was, <laughs> how gay is Bo from She-Ra? Answer using a simile. And it was? Bo from She-Ra is as gay as Bo from She-Ra. <laughs> That's a tricky question to answer. <laughs> so we went with the safe bet. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> you know he's going to want something better than that. He might, but I'm sick, so maybe he'll come in a little slack. I'm looking at this picture he tweeted us. Guy sitting on that horse, and he has Adam sitting behind him. And he's like looking back into his eyes. <laughs> and is it me, or is the horse hair and his hair almost, almost the same shade of orange? So I, he's a ginger. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but I mean, there are definitely some traits about Bo that are suspect. So why? Oh, you mean like the mustache? Yeah, uh, the, the 70s porn stash and the <laughs> terrible haircut and the way he sits and his mannerisms and basically everything there is about the character is suspect. He's got a heart on his chest. Maybe he's just metrosexual. 
You know, maybe he's you know just I don't know. <laughs> that's his that's his power in Eternia. <laughs> Everybody had a power. We were talking earlier about how Stinkor was the worst action figure because his only ability was that he smelled really bad. <laughs> so uh, I guess like Bo just comes with like really nice accessories. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Maybe Bo didn't have a father. He was just raised by his mother. I don't know. We're going to have to do some more research on Bo, because uh, definitely some funny stuff there. So there'll be a second part on the Bo. We'll save that for another episode. But do you really think He-Man would ride behind Bo on his horse? <laughs> well, He-Man's a brave and fearless warrior who would, would not do anything to save Eternia. But he's also kind of uh, dull and dim-witted. If you watch the show a lot, he doesn't really pay attention to other people all that well. So, so tell me he doesn't know that Bo is a creeper. Probably not. <laughs> probably completely off his radar, because I don't think he thinks that way. He only thinks about hitting things and protecting the sorceress. Bo thinks about hitting things. <laughs> that, that might be true. <laughs> so that's all the questions we got. We appreciate you guys submitting. Oh, uh, I have a question. Question 10. What's your question? <laughs> I got no questions. <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> uh, but thank you guys for submitting. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll do another Q&A before too long. Uh, we wanted to touch on one more thing before we go today. We've been talking with the with the general manager of Comic Palooza, uh, my friend John Simons. Uh, we're still going to be there in official capacity, and we're going to be doing some promotional stuff for the show. We're going to be doing more interviews ahead of time because he wants us to talk to various creators and you know, use that as a method for informing you guys about Comic Palooza. And also allowing us to get awesome interviews for you guys to listen to. So the first one, we're in the process of lining up now. We're 12 weeks away from Comic Palooza. So uh, I don't know if we're going to have 12 interviews. <laughs> that might be a little overwhelming, but we're definitely going to have some. So be prepared to have us have some really cool guests on the show in the next coming weeks. And uh, pay attention because we have some really exciting news coming up about Comic Palooza that we can't wait to share with you guys. Oh, yeah. But uh, we can't really say anything until it's finalized. So. Oh, no. <laughs> just be on the lookout keep watching my blog keep listening to the show you still doing that? yeah I've been doing it every night I've oh, kept wow. up with it yep. yep has it gotten better? Uh, there's been some funny moments okay it's mostly me just bitching about stuff though <laughs> so it's your rant session <laughs> yeah it's my rants yeah that's pretty much all we got for tonight I'm gonna go lay down and hopefully my throat will feel better in the morning Miguel's gotta drive home so uh, hope you guys enjoyed the bonus podcast I don't know if we'll do this very often but once in a while Try to give you guys two a week so you can enjoy them. Till next time. You want to say it? <laughs> I can't say the tagline. You can say it. I don't even know the tagline. <laughs> That's right. Keep on laughing, bitches. Hey, guys. Real quick before you go, this is Justin. I just wanted to let you know that today's podcast, the bonus episode, was brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash comical. There's over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. We'd really appreciate you going out there and finding something to listen to and supporting the, the podcast if you like it. And uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>